Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey everybody, I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylog. Let's get started. You know, we believe that a deeper teaching of the Bible is that the message of salvation, or the gift, is spiritual milk meant only for new believers. We believe the Bible teaches that mature Christians must progress to understanding what is beyond the gift, moving on to the spiritual meat of the Word, in order to please God through all these things and earn heavenly rewards. Several scriptures support these beliefs, but one scripture from 1 Peter seems to contradict it. Today, we take a look at that scripture in detail. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the Apostle Peter's first letter. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. That was 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 9, through to verse 11. Before attempting to interpret Scripture, we always use a little acronym we call the SPACE method. SPACE stands for Speaker, SP, Audience, A, and Context, C, before attempting an explanation, E. So it's S-P-A-C-E, Speaker, Audience, Context, and then you attempt the explanation. So let's, as always, start by using the space method on today's scripture reading. Okay, Jordan. So the speaker today is the Apostle Peter. Let's take some time to remember who Peter was. Number one, Peter was the first disciple chosen by Jesus. And he famously confessed Jesus as the Messiah. And we could read that in Matthew 16, 13 to 20. Jesus said to Peter, but who do you, the disciples, say that I am? And Peter responded, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also Peter preached the first Christian sermon at Pentecost. And here's just a quick summary of that sermon, which was in Acts 2.22. And it goes kind of like this. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs 
which God performed through him in your midst, you nailed to a cross and put to death. But God raised him up again. He was exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured that Spirit forth, as you now both see and hear. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord, or high priest, and Christ the King. Yeah, Peter also defended this gospel before the Sanhedrin, another pivotal, critical event that makes Peter a very important figure. You know, Peter and John were arrested for, quote, teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That was a big controversy of the day, and you can read about that in Acts 4, too. And, you know, so he got called before the Sanhedrin, and they questioned them, specifically, about healing a sick man. And uh, the, the dialogue went something like this. The Sanhedrin says, By what power or in what name have you done this? And then Peter says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, you know, key part there, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. And then he goes on and says, He, meaning Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Yeah, Jordan, the point here, Peter, the speaker in today's scriptures, writes with the full authority and deep knowledge of an apostle. He was a chosen messenger and a representative of Jesus Christ. And like all Bible authors, he also wrote under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I know we took a little bit of time with that, Andy, but it's sometimes important to go back and think about the first, the SP, the speaker, because, you know, much of the New Testament is written by people with these kinds of pedigrees. Like, obviously, we talk about Paul all the time and all the things that happened to him, all of his education. And Peter, understanding Peter uh, every, every once in a while and going back and truly understanding, you know, what he accomplished, what he did, what, what you know, what God and Jesus entrusted to him. It's very important when you're reading those words in the Bible who they're coming from. Yeah, we have to give the proper credibility to Peter so that, and anything in Scripture, we have to take it as God's Word directly. But, you know, just in case, you know, there's some new Christians out there that are listening, you know, to the show, you know, sometimes you say, well, you know, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and maybe that was written by Timothy. No, it was actually written by Paul to Timothy. So, you know, we just, we, we like to go out of our way and clarify before we start our study who the speaker is. Yes, and you can also understand where they're coming from, which is important to getting the true meaning of the passage. And then, of course, the audience. So moving on to the audience, you know, 1 Peter is addressed to Jewish Christians, a key point. And these are Jewish Christians who had been driven out of Jerusalem and now live, they were scattered in the outer Roman provinces in Asia Minor, which is the, uh, geographically today, is the Anatolian Peninsula or Plateau, which is modern-day Turkey. So again, you get a better sense of what was going on, where things were happening. Um, You know, he mentions five specific areas in his letter. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And the order of the areas listed like that um, probably reflects the route taken by the messenger who delivered this letter, because all these letters were written to, you know, to be uh, circulated, you know. They were called encyclicals, which means they were meant to be circulated among the various churches, so they would have been read at multiple churches in those cities, most likely. And these folks were uh, persecuted believers, as I mentioned, and the question arises, of course, uh, why? Well, I think, you know, just the, the short answer to that is the Holy Spirit really started to have people, Christians at the time, and it was all part of God's plan. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, let's get Christians not just 
sitting at home in Jerusalem or in Israel, but let's get them going throughout the world. You know, and it was it was through these attacks, which was led by the enemy through other people from other countries. You know, God was very strategic. He allowed the enemy to attack these Christians simply for the fact that they would be pushed out of their comfort zone and out of their homes and out of their local churches. And, you know, even though they might have thought they were going in hiding or going into safety, God was actually using that, you know, as a road to spread the gospel. Yeah, you're, you're really getting into the, the, um, the deeper why, yeah. you know, um, the, the more surface why is what, what happened historically. Uh, and again, it's also important to remember this too, you know, the, the historicity of the Bible. Um, you know, historians have looked at a lot of these things and, and validated them. And, and what they believe happened is that there was a massive fire in Rome mm. in about 64 AD. It destroyed uh, a huge 70% of, of the city and left half the population homeless. And, you know, it, it was really because of bad management by the, the decadent and very unpopular emperor whose name was Nero. I mean, you, you may have heard the phrase, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. You know, that, that's kind of the image of Nero that uh, history has given us. And, you know, so, so what does Nero do? Being a, um, a political figure, he wants to create a scapegoat. And who, who's going to become a scapegoat? Well, there's this new obscure religious sect of crazy Jewish people that are now following this prophet or whatever, this guy that's supposedly raised from the dead. So he made them the, the scapegoats, and he went at it full force. He arrested Christians and executed them as if, as if they had actually started this fire, which they hadn't, and, and sort of tried to make them the the fall guys for his own bad management and decadence. And, um, and that, that was the kind of historic, historically the kind of pressure that they were facing and why they fled to these outer regions. You know, Jordan, in addition to this external pressure, the church was also facing internal corruption from false teaching. Good point. And, you know, these believers needed a message from their leader, Peter, to strengthen their faith and their resolve. You know, they needed someone who was chosen and that they knew was taught directly by Jesus Christ himself to remind them of their core doctrine, which was under assault at the time in two different ways from the enemy. Yeah, right, Andy. So two different ways, of course, being what we talked about with the external Nero thing happening, and also internally, as you're mentioning, there was a lot of corruption going on, and we'll get into some more of that. So now that we've established the speaker, audience, and context of our scripture reading, we're ready to attempt an explanation. And uh, as we said at the beginning of this lesson, we believe and we teach what it states in Hebrews 5, 13 and 14, which says, everyone who partakes only of milk is a spiritual infant. Solid food or meat is for the mature. And we take to heart the message to these Hebrews that's found in the next chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ or the milk, let us press on to maturity, meaning partake of the meat. So, and we, of course, we also note the words of Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 24, 45, and also Luke 12, 42, and I'm just, I'm just building here, so bear with me. The faithful and wise, wise servant of Jesus Christ is the one who gives believers, quote, meat in due season. That's, a, that's the King James Version of, way of putting it. That is, the deeper truths of the Bible as the end times approach. And doing so earns a blessing and a reward. It says, in the Bible, he, meaning the master, will make him ruler over all his goods. That's Matthew 24, 47. And the master's goods, of course, are his coming kingdom. We're talking about type and anti-type, uh, the, the uh, symbol and the payoff of that symbol. So we put all those things together, Andy, to say that this is a core doctrine we believe, that you have to move on to maturity and put, put the milk behind you, which is for infants, and start partaking of the strong meat. And as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, um, this particular verse from Peter's epistle is going to challenge that a little bit. So 
How do you reconcile those two? Well, I think a common question that might arise is the question, what should we make of First Peter 2.2? Now that you established a foundation here, key points of what we believe, what we know to be true, because it's scriptural, and there's a tremendous amount of scripture that supports that. And, you know, very simple. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. That's, that's what Peter is saying. My answer to that is, the key to understanding that, you know, what this passage of Scripture is trying to say is the verse that comes before it, and it's in verse 1. And it reads, Therefore putting aside all malice, or wickedness, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, long for the pure milk of the word. Again, putting it aside. And commonly, this is what we might see today, especially with various denominations of, of Christian churches that might be have, you know, entertaining malice or deceit or hypocrisy or envying one another or slandering and talking bad about one another, when really they should be going after the pure milk of the word. Now, the context is key here, and it's not just a historical or cultural context. Remember, the audience, as we learned, was under a lot of pressure to abandon the ways of the Spirit, which came with persecution and exile and possibly death. And then they were told to, you know, embrace the ways of the flesh as supported by the false teaching of that day. And, you know, another point that I wanted to bring up too is, is and of course, it works perfectly with today as well. Well, we've talked about this in, in many prior episodes. The pure milk, the pure milk, which I would say today might mean homogenized milk, hmm. pasteurized milk, hmm. milk that doesn't have any contaminations in it, milk that's been ultra premium purified so that we only get out of it what's best for our bodies, right? Right. So, I mean, today, if we were to go to a farm, and it could be like, let's say, a, a dairy farm, and, you know, there might be different type of shots, antibiotics, steroids that that, that particular cow might be receiving. Right. And if we were to take it right, you know, right directly from, from the cow, there's no telling of what long-term, that, how that can affect us. And, you know, what God is trying to teach us here is that the milk itself that we get from a cow helps build our bones with vitamins and minerals and nutrition. And what God is saying is that the basics, the foundational Christian teachings that we get from the Bible should always be the purest of pure. It it cannot be contaminated by false doctrines. It cannot be contaminated by, you know, what the world is trying to penetrate into what God's word is. So again, it's just a point that I think that what Peter is trying to stress here is, is go for the pureness of it. Keep the world out of it. Right. Go for the pureness of scripture. Yeah, no, that's key. And also I, I like what you did earlier where you were talking about, you know, you have to read the context. You have to read verse one to understand verse two, right? Yeah. And, and it raises that question, well, well, what is the spiritual maturity level of someone who needs to put aside, as he says, wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander? And the answer is, you know, they're still spiritual infants if that's what they're what they're going through. So yeah. We, I think we're never saying that the milk is unnecessary. It is necessary. And it, it shouldn't perhaps be read here that he was talking to spiritually mature Christians, because if they were, they wouldn't, they wouldn't need to put these things aside, right? They, they, they would be eating meat because they would have been past the, the, the baby stuff. You Agreed. Know? And, you know, and I, think, I think that's another reason why he, he says long for the pure milk. And um, I notice what he says next to Andy. He says, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So there, there in that one phrase right there is the implication that they were not growing. So they were spiritual infants and they needed milk more, you know, as you point out, pure milk. Sure. I mean, and, and really quick, you know, we've often talked about this and, and taught this in the past. 
If you can imagine, you know, that there's two type of teachings, you know, we talk about in the Bible. There's the milk and the meat, right? Right. So we know that milk builds, for a human, it builds your bone, it builds your skeleton. And you need a skeleton in order to add muscle. And meat is what we, what we ingest so that we could add protein to our diet so we can grow in muscles. And where the type is in that is that we're servants of the Lord. We're slaves of the Lord. We need to be strong internally and externally. So in order to properly add the right amount of muscle to our body, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that the bones are really strong, that the structure behind it is, is, is healthy and powerful. So I, I also believe that what Peter is doing here is he's trying to say, man, if you have strong bones, how much more muscle can you add on to your body? Which means how much more of service can you be to God and also to others teaching the pure doctrine? Yeah. So what you're saying, Andy, is that as Peter is advising these particular Christians that you can grow up and, and get to a place of spiritual maturity where you can partake of that spiritual meat. And you know, it, it may be that Peter could have written what the author of Hebrews writes to his Jewish Christian audience in Hebrews 5, right before the verses that we cited earlier, he writes, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles. You have come to need milk and not solid food or meat. You know, and we also see that sort of exhortation in verse 11 of our current scripture reading today. It says, beloved, I urge you to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And then he adds in verse 12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So, you know, that's one possible interpretation. Another one, Andy, is that maybe Peter wasn't exhorting them or criticizing that all. Yeah, maybe he was merely recognizing their growth had been stunted by circumstances at the time because of these challenges that they faced. You know, they needed to feed on more pure milk before they would be ready for the meat. You know, notice Peter, who was a Jew, also calls non-believers Gentiles in verse 12. And, you know, so this is before Gentile believers were even fully integrated into the church. And we also know it took Peter a while to accept fully the engrafted Gentiles. But in any case, it could also be that these Jewish Christians needed more milk, or like you read earlier, the elementary teachings to us, but something radically new to them than meat, which we know are the kingdom teachings, because they knew quite a bit about God's promises to Israel already, because they were Jews, whereas the the Gentiles weren't. Yeah, we have to always keep that in mind. Uh, that's why we always focus on the A and the space method, because the audience varies throughout the New Testament from um, Jewish, uh, Jewish audience and a Gentile audience. Yes. And of course, there's no Jew or Gentile after Christ. We're all one in Christ. But, you know, so- sometimes when, you're, when you, you read a, an apostle speaking to a particular Jewish audience, and if you go back and look at the context as well, like they're on a theme, and, and, and it's, it's sort of always important to keep in your mind, well, okay, like how would they have received that? Because the Jews, you know, they were already safe, you know, uh, yeah. whereas the Gentiles were completely lost and became saved. The Jews were already safe, and they were already um, to some degree justified by their, the salvation of their nation, yeah. you know, because they were Jews. Yeah. So their, their version of salvation, if you could put it that way, was a little bit different than the Gentile experience of salvation, which was going from no connection with God to engrafted into God's promises, you know? Yeah, no, excellent points. I mean, you know, and, and really quick, compare the letter to the Corinthians versus the letter to the Ephesians. Right. You know, just about every theologian will tell you the Corinthians are probably the most carnal church. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the topics and teachings that Paul had for the Corinthians were more directed towards milk or baby Christians and all the corruption that they had were in Ephesians. He doesn't even talk about that kind of stuff. He gets into more mature details. So great points, Jordan. So really quick, recap and takeaways for today. 
Peter's message to the churches has a lot to do with what was happening at the time. That's important. They had escaped persecution started by the emperor himself, and they were facing false teachings from the inside as well. You know, apparently they were at risk from falling into a few of the seven deadly sins, and particularly the lust and envy, as well as deceit, hypocrisy, and so on. Yeah, it was under these conditions that Peter told them to behave as newborns, you know, longing for the pure milk of the word. But putting scripture together, we also see that believers are expected to, quote, grow in respect to salvation, as Hebrews puts it, become mature and partake of the meat of the word. And according to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, faithful and wise servants of God in leadership positions, that is, preachers and teachers, are also called to feed the congregation this meat because the end times or end season is near. All right, Jordan. So before we close, for our listeners to maybe better get a grasp of what's going on here, I have a question. We all know that the Bible does not contradict itself. So why does it say here that believers should long for pure milk and also that they should put it behind them in another scripture? Could you maybe explain that and kind of put everything together so we can get a good understanding. Yeah, right. So basically the question is, why do why does the epistle of Peter and Hebrews um, seem to disagree with each other? And actually, I would say they agree, right? Newborn babies, which is what was happening in the case of Peter's epistle, or infants, as Hebrews puts it, do and should partake only of milk, of pure milk, as you described it earlier. But Hebrews adds to Peter and says that believers should wean themselves at some point and start to partake of, of meat. That, that's basically, they're not contradictory, they build on one another. Right, and there's two different audiences here, like we mentioned earlier. Peter's is probably a new Christian audience to an extent, where the Hebrews were, you know, they knew the Jewish background, they knew the culture, and they had a better understanding and foundation for Christianity. And at this point, Paul was trying to say, or the writer of Hebrews was trying to say, ha ha ha, you need to be retaught the basics of Christianity before we can even go on to maturity. Right, good point. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry. 
and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.